I'm Diren Gary, and you're listening to The Laughs of Your Life, the podcast where I talk to influential people about laughter. From their first memories of laughter, to the person they always laugh with, to the first time they felt laughed at. Out of nowhere, Kieran goes, Simon says, get, get a boner, right? And I, I just go, what? And then, I don't know, he points at me, and he goes, ah, well done, Jason, you're the only one that did that. And I was going, what? And I looked down, and I don't think I did. I'd still to this day defending myself. I think it was the way the tracksuit was, and that's it. Once one kid does it and says it, you, you had it, I had it for, and that was something I had for the rest of my life. The boner the, or the even when the I name? Come, well, I had a, well, no, I hadn't had a boner for the rest of my life. That's that'd be medically exhausting. Comedian Jason Byrne is my guest this week. He talks to me about his childhood spent gallivanting in the Dublin mountains, his lifelong friendship with fellow comedian PJ Gallagher, and the trauma of childbirth. I hope you enjoy. Jason Byrne. How are you? You are extremely welcome to the Laughs for Your Life. Yeah, thanks for, uh, first of all, uh, we're at the very top of uh, a building in Dame Street, which has no lift. Yeah. And I'm, I'm pretty fit and, and you look well fit. But oh, okay, you can't say that. You're gonna get, you get arrested. But anyway, and we were out of breath coming up there. A you were bit. dead. Dead. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to be totally honest with you, right? We have a quick fire round at the end of this podcast that I ask everyone the same questions. Oh my God. I'm not supposed to tell you what the questions are, but I'm going to tell you what one is. It's just, who's your favourite comedian? Oh my God, me. So, you are the most frequent <laughs> answer. <laughs> no, am I? Yes. No way. Big style. Oh my God, that's, that's amazing. Yeah, like I wanted to have you on anyway, but I was like, I absolutely have to have him on because of that. Yeah, I know, because, yeah, that's kind of embarrassing. They, yeah. go, they go, oh, he's Jason Burr's my favourite comic, but you go, yeah, but he never comes on here. <laughs> it's terrible. But the- <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, you know what's really weird as well as, as Irish people, because when I gig in America and, I get, and, and Australia and everywhere else, like all those all those comics, you ever like, meet them or any any actors or anything, they love that stuff. Yeah, yeah. But as, I'm still an Irish man in a way and kind of it's, it's ingrained in me not to not to take praise well you have to I know isn't it mad and favourite comic and you go oh jeez I'm all embarrassed I can't be doing that I need to go to confession what? I don't yes. do comedy that's a tall jeez I need to get, get myself <laughs> with briars and whip myself <laughs> in a corner no but it's high praise because a lot of them who've said it are comedians themselves Ah, oh. so there you go well I do have a lot of favourite I will add, you want me to answer that at the end though at the end okay then shall we start at the beginning yeah sure Jason Byrne your first memory of laughter okay um so Okay, because I know I know it's going to like flip around to all different things, but right, my first one was uh, I can think of in my head because is is when I went went camping. We did a lot of camping with the, with the with my mates. Do you know what I mean? And, and I uh, like my, I have a thirteen year old son, and like he tries to replicate my life as a kid. I, I bring him to like fishing and think, he goes, "Did you do this?" And then there's a tree. He goes, "Did you climb it this way?" You go, "Yeah." And I went camping. He goes, "Like, did you have parents with you?" He went, "No, we didn't have anybody with us." So like. The youngest could be like 12 or 13, where the, and then the oldest kid, because I came from Volunteer, yeah, right? Yeah. In Ludford Drive, yeah. where there's thousands of children <laughs> on the road. And they're all different generations, right? It was a little bit like, I'll give you an example. So when the, when basically the dads came home, right? Because mainly the dads worked, right? They came home in their cars. Uh, the road was a bit like Alfred Hitchcock's birds. There was kids. <laughs> On top of every, on walls, in trees. And the cars had to go slowly in case you actually hit a kid. And it was just like all kids just staring very slowly. And so we, there was loads of us and we were all very protective of each other. And we, so what we did, one of the things, oh my God, this is terrible. It was so funny though. But we went up camping 
we'd go up to the Tick Knock quite a lot. Yeah. And uh, Enniscary and all that stuff because we're from Ballantyre, so that's kind of the nice near bits. Oh, yeah, and we were also, because we were from Ballantyre as well, you know, a lot of people kind of hike to, to places, but we used to get lift to Enniscary right to the, to the forest. <laughs> <laughs> and then our mum and dad would drop us there. We were up, <laughs> we were up in Tick Knock. In a place called the Firing Range. Now, people are going to give out and go, it's not Tick Knock, it's something else, it's Glenida something. But right. anyway, the Firing Range was an old barn up there. And it's uh, basically where the army used to test, the, I don't know, test gu- the gun that the Irish army have. <laughs> the, one, the one gun. The one gun. Yeah, right. <laughs> you pressed, so, you're up there. And, you know, be, and there was blokes and girls all the time. It was a good mixture of people up there. Uh, you know, it was brilliant. And at this this time, we were camping up there for that night, and I was about I was about sixteen, right? And mm. I said the youngest was about thirteen, because they would have been little brothers, and then the eldest was probably seventeen. Yeah. And uh, we were sitting. We lit a fire. We mainly lit a fire to try and cook bits of food. But this time, we actually, you know, you get bored as a kid, and and there's no adults around. And then this is how you learn not to do something again. Right. So we got a can of beans. And we put it into the fire. And this, I say this is my early, earliest laughing memory because it was just, it was a howling laughing one. And I, I, we put the beans in the middle and uh, we, so they'd blow up. You know what I mean? Yeah. That was the idea. And we're all sitting, like, not too near. And we were all waiting ages. But, of course, a lot of us weren't very good in school and we didn't really do a lot of science. <laughs> and we didn't know that, you know, the pressure has to build up. For a, quite a while, for the beans to blow up, and they're in a tin. Yeah. So we just thought, oh, they're not working. I'm one of the lads. <laughs> this was great. He went, he went. Oh, okay. Well, look, maybe we can just push it off to the edge of the fire. And he went over with a stick, and he pushed it. Oh, and the minute he touched it, there was a massive explosion. Right. <coughs> and the fire went everywhere, and we were all like smoke and everything. And we were like, oh, what happened? Right. We looked up, and one of the lads, Robbie, that's the guy who hit the hit the stick with the beans. He was going around going, I'm blind, I'm blind, I'm blind, right? You know, like when your mates, like let's say your mate's arm is hanging off or something, you can't stop laughing, but you're trying to trying to help him. And he was going, I'm blind. And we were, you know when you're holding on to each other laughing? We were crying laughing. And there he was going, I'm blind, I'm blind. And he was covered in beans. This I'm not making this up. I mean, if we listen to this, we're going to go, anybody from Ballantyre, like the Brian Roaches, the Kieran Tallons, the Carmack Dermots, they'll all go, yeah, we've seen that. And there he was. And Robbie's like, oh, I can't see, I can't see, oh my God. He thought that the beans had blinded him in his eyes. And he was going, I can't believe they're exploding into my face. He thought, because his ears were still ringing and everything. Yeah. But the, the we couldn't stop laughing. It was the beans had welded his eyelids shut. The cut beans had gone to his eyes. And he couldn't open them. And we then, being the little shits that we are, we were there going, no, don't touch your face, right? Just, we'll get, we'll get stuff. We were just going, don't, don't tell him. He just couldn't open his eyes. Oh, <laughs> was, Robbie! And then, yeah, and then eventually we told him, and but he still had little burn marks. marks. Jesus! Yeah, anybody listening, don't put me. I mean, don't what, do it. Why do you? Ha- anyway, okay. First of all, why do we do that? You know where they say don't do this at home or don't do that. If you do that, you're an idiot. You deserve beans in the face. We have to. You deserve. We have to do that every morning until every time we say something like that. Yeah. You have to back reference by a minute. Oh, don't do that at home. Yeah, I know. Like, yeah, but but as I said, like, but was he okay? Yeah, he was okay. But I mean, things like that, I always believe, I used to tell my stand-up, that accidents like that are invented uh, to kind of get rid of the weaker children. <laughs> it is survival of the fittest. Yeah, you know, yeah. that's why scutting trucks was a thing. You know, if one kid fell off and rolled and just fucking <laughs> nearly killed themselves, that was, well, he's gone. It's grand, so we're on to the next lot. But now kids are protected too I much. Know, too much. There's loads of idiots getting through the woods. Yeah, you know what I mean? That's what, you know, 
falling out of things, <laughs> set yourself on fire. You're going, how's Tommy doing? Oh, he's kind of dead. <laughs> Why? Well, we were messing with petrol and... Um, kind of dead. Well, he kind of put it on himself. Tell me about your childhood. Oh. How was it? It was brilliant, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, I just drive everybody mad going, oh, that was like... I've got loads of happy times in my life, though. Because I had great mates and the the childhood was fantastic like because it was the it started off in 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 the housing estate uh my dad uh because i look i mean i my dad passed away there before the covid thing and uh we loved i love sitting dad down and ask him stuff because he he wouldn't tell you anything unless you asked him and he go oh i'll tell you and like so volunteer my mom and dad moved out there my mom lived in ballybockle right no ballybock not ballybockle that's where i live <laughs> That's it, but in all. She lived in Ballybock. Yeah. Right? And then my dad moved her to Ballantyre because he was in Finglas and he had loads of sisters and he went, I'm not living there because I'm not having them knocking into me every five minutes. <laughs> so that's why he moved out to Ballantyre. Yeah. And then, and my mum then got out and my mum says, I cried for a year because it was in the middle of the countryside in Ballantyre beside the shopping centre. Like that's, that was, she was going, there was no houses. And my dad went, uh, and my dad, uh, like one of the first moves that he that he made, he said was that when the houses were being built, like some of them were being ready and all the people were moving in, my dad went along the houses, and uh, the pub was opened, mm. which is called the Beavers then, now called Ballantyre House, and they were giving away a free pint if you went up, to, you know, to that day. Of course, my dad was like oh, like a shot, worked in Guinnesses <laughs> all his life. He was alcohol, and he basically he he said he knocked into the house. This is mad. He knocked into all the houses. And he said, and he knocked in and he asked the man of the house, of course, because in those days, you know, women literally did nothing. Like, no, yeah. no, you can't be going around, but you're a woman. What? Yeah. Like, ridiculous. <laughs> Where actually, can I just actually interject there and just throw in that PJ Gallagher's mother was one of the first women to drink in the sheds in uh, Clontarf. Stop! Yeah, she walked in. And because she's such a strong personality, she walked in, sat down and ordered a drink and they all just went, uh, yeah, that's Helen, just give her a drink. <laughs> She'll freaking she'd kill you. So I uh, so dad went in, knocked on the houses and asked the lads to go for to go for the pub. And he said uh, he says a couple of them were L ones. My dad used to call men who wanted to stay in the house with their children or their wives and have a nice life L ones. And he said I asked some of them, but some of them were L ones. Some of them were saying they were trying to help the wife unpack and sure Jesus I was saying there was a free pint going. So my dad literally gathered up the alcoholics on the road in one day. And they were that's what that were they were his mates till he died there. Three months ago. And, and so we had that kind of a life, right? So our yeah. house in Ballantyre was, it was, so my dad, very sociable. And actually my mother, she said this when my dad was on his deathbed in the hospital, she was holding his hand. And my mother goes, we had a great social life. Such a great social life. Feck the kids. We had a great time. And I just went, yeah, man, that's why most of us were in therapy. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so she's, so. It was a very sociable house. That's why I, where I got my confidence from was from my mum and dad, from people coming in and out of the house. It was that thing where, you know, my uh, Betty and Paddy, who were my mate, my mate Carl, his mum and dad, they were anti Betty and Paddy. Everybody was not anti and an uncle. Right. They just arrived and all of a sudden they were anti and uncle. <laughs> yeah. So with loads of them, uh, I you know I had little a little baby sister Ethna, and then my next sister Rachel, and then Eric, my other brother, who was my eldest one. So that's four generations. But on the road at any one time where I lived, it could be up to five different generations all together. So it was brilliant. And so my but my mom's house, my mom and dad was that that was a sociable hub. So at the weekend, they'd bring in everybody into the house, all the people from the pub. So you were chatting to older people all the time. Oh yeah, I'd be wandering around the house. Yeah, yeah. the place would be covered in smoke, and we'd be the jammers <laughs> gathering up money from drunk people. <laughs> 
Because he used to always just go, ah, oh, you're a great fella, here you go. And they give you 50p. Like, you're like, so it was like it was your communion every night. Yeah, yeah. You're going around going, there's another, there's another flavor. And so, so it was all that. It was, it was, it was, was happy. It, it was a happy life, yeah. But it was like, all, but on our road, all the dads, they just drank and went to work. Yeah, yeah. And all, it was the mams that raised everybody. And they were the ones that were at the school plays. And they were the yeah. ones at the sports. Picking and, you up and dropping you off. And my dad never seen the school. <laughs> He never was in it ever. I'd be coming home with medals and trophies. He'd go, well, what's that for? i go, I uh, won a race. Do you, do you run, do you? <laughs> Good man. And then he'd, yeah, I mean, basically, my dad would stand up. He was like the, the dad out of the snapper. And my dad would stand up. If there was a trophy, my dad go, right, time to celebrate. And he'd put a, his coat on and he'd go to put <laughs> And leave us all there. But yeah, but the whole, it was great. It was lots, very sociable. And, and the road, brilliant. All the kids playing. Jason, the first time you felt laughed at. <laughs> Mm. Because you asked me like when my first time I laughed, but I, the time when people I was laughed at is will be here all year because I was accident prone, and oh, everything yeah, and so everything happened to me. Uh, one to, actually, one thing that goes into my head, as she was saying, and I wasn't even sure if it happened or not, but it was Kieran Talon who uh, actually now works in Lighten and uh, was in the band called Revelino. Right. Do you remember, I don't know if you ever heard of them. No. No, they were years ago. They were a really good band. They were like something happens and wedding present and all that. That was and Revelina was there and Kieran Tallam was in it. And we were playing O'Grady says in that field, right? Beside right. the house because it was a field with all the kids in it. You were playing what? O'Grady says. What's that? Is that a, no, not O'Grady says. Simon says. No. <laughs> yeah, hang on a minute. Yes, it was Simon says, but <laughs> we're using to say Simon. Why? What did Kieran say? He was O'Grady. Why O'Grady? I don't know. Okay, someone's going to have to text it into you and like text whatever and, and send something in, send a message, email. <laughs> Look, we're on, we're on live radio. No, we're not. <laughs> it, but anyway, so let's say he said, okay, well, you Simon. Like, she definitely said O'Grady. Okay, there's always a... Do you know like when you're in different parts of Ireland? Yeah. Kids games are called different yeah, things. Yeah, different things. Like yeah. curbs, we called it when you're hitting the ball against the curb. Right. Kirby, it's called in other places. Oh, interesting, right. Yeah. And in Ballymun and Ballyfair like, no not because of what I'm talking about the area but they call it something else as yeah, well because yeah. Willie White was going no it's something different but anyway the I was play, this is mad I can't believe it, it doesn't matter I'm a comic why, why do we say these things live where most people go I kind of would never tell anybody that <laughs> and you're going yeah but I might make 15 euros out of it so I could sell a ticket <laughs> to nothing but I was doing, uh, we were playing Simon Says, I was standing there and it was in my tracksuit and we were all like, like, it was always like Simon Says lift up one leg or whatever. Yeah. We were probably 13, 14. And then out of nowhere, Kieran goes, Simon Says, get get a boner, right? And I, I just go, what? And then out of nowhere, he points at me and he goes, ah, oh, well done, Jason, you're the only one that did it. And I was going, what? And I looked down and I don't think I did. I'd still to this day defending myself. I think it was the way the tracksuit was. And that's it. Once one kid does it and says it, you, you had it, I had it for, and that was something I had for the rest of my life. The boner the, or the Even when the I come, well, I had a, well, no, I hadn't had a boner for the rest of my life. That's, that'd be medically exhausting. But I was, I was, I was, because Kieran would still come up to you and pum go, do you remember that game of Simon Says or Grady Says? I go, I didn't have a boner. You know, it's something that stays with you. Yeah, yeah, you're known for that. Yeah, you're there. like Boner J, are you? And I was going, oh my God, I was, so that, <laughs> there was kids in the, in playing with me and then all the kids no. in the field, it started to ripple. No! Go, Jay had a boner when I was going, but you know what, like, if I was anyway smart then, like I was, you know, and, and I should have went, well, brilliant. At least I do have one. Yeah, it's not you brilliant. Owned it. yeah. yeah, except they would have beat the shit out of me yeah. with Hurleys. And they're going, look at him learning. 
What are you talking about? Don't be go what? What do you mean the blood goes in there? Shut up, you tick. No, it doesn't. Magic fairy love dust is what makes you get a boner. Oh my god! So there was there was so so many things that happened, and I was, and also was you know a swing, th- three different swings snapped on me. Oh, in front oh, of kids no, I went straight down on one right which was like just a blue thin twine rope with uh. a stick and I went right down on me the coxes which oh are, the worst oh which of course I th- I'm pretty sure I said which I should never have said oh you said it on the date yeah. no yeah mother hurt me cock fall on a cock no on me coxes ah you're, you're like a cock oh man it's you can't move so I fell off and then another one swung out into a bush and then the best vision sorry the best vision one was um, we were in Glendalock and we were camping again of course we got driven there by our mothers and fathers thank you and we got dropped to Glendalock and then we were looking for somewhere to camp because what kids do this then there was no camping signs everywhere so we went oh my god we better not camp and there was nobody around it was like 8 o'clock at night or something so we were looking for a camping spot and if you don't know the Glendalock obviously there's like paths around the edges blocked so we went we were going along and then I, I I seen a swing that was wrapped up and if anybody like they're looking at me going don't you touch it yeah. so I unwrapped it it was around a branch and it was going down it was a hill going down into the water yeah okay yeah. and so I I had the, the 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 stick and the twig and the or sorry the rope and the twig the stick, you know the stick that you sit yeah, on yeah yeah whatever but I held it with two hands and I jumped in the air no and I went down, but this, but obviously the rope started to get lower and lower. You were supposed to sit on it. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. So, so right. it was only about two inches off the ground when it got to the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> so I swung down as fast as I could and it dragged me. And then it no. went out into the water, water where no. the stones were. And I hit me knees and me shins and everything. And the no. lads were crying. And all I could hear was, let go of it, you tick. Let go of it. And I was going, I can't. I thought if I'd let go of it, I'd smack my face yeah, off yeah. the rock. So tears Jesus, they had. battered around the place. Tell me this. Have you always... When did you know you could make people laugh? Were you were you a class clown or is it something you discovered a bit later? Well, I mean, I always I always liked having a laugh. I think that comedy, like as in what we do for a living, ruined my having a laugh in a pub and having a laugh at the lads. Because that was, that was just, that was the best crack ever. Yeah. Like John Bishop, who's a great mate of mine, um, his mates went to see him in a, in a, in an arena gig. And then backstage, they're all telling jokes. But John didn't have any jokes. He was gone. I don't know. You know, they're all yeah. laughing away, telling jokes. They're going, you're not even as funny as Mick. And yeah, you don't have to play into an arena. Yeah, so like, yeah. so now I don't, I'm not, I used to love being, you know, the center of attention in the pub or in the class or in, but in the classroom now, I was, I was about sixth down the line though. Right. The top class clown was Barry Hennessy. Right. He was brilliant. Like, he was able to do Michael Jackson moonwalks on the tables in maths. And <laughs> in like, maths. That was way, way above it than I could do. You know what I mean? What is it? There's so many comedians who I chat to who always say that, that, mm. yes, I am the performer, but I have friends who are way funnier than me. Yeah, definitely. You know what I mean? like, they just don't, they just don't want to perform it or they just, this is not in them to be a comedian. No, but they also, I mean, my mates, I love it when my mates, co- co- but like, well, when PJ used to come as well, like to my gigs, oh my God. Because like, PJ was my best mate, you know what I mean? Yeah. We'd get, we'd work together and then we started gigging and he just kept following me everywhere I went. And then he'd start gigging with me and then he started, I was going, so we used to, actually this was funny, I, 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 this is kind of off the point again, but anyway, he, we went to, we, when we went to gigs and he was doing support for me, he'd go, right, you drive down Jay and I'll drive back, right? And I, every time, it's like, 
I, I know what he's going to do. And I go, okay. So he goes on, he, he just gets rid of his 15 minutes and he just got off and he went, oh my God, thank God that's over, Jesus Christ, whatever. And then I do my gig and I'd see him down the back talking to people or whatever and meh, meh, meh. Next minute I'm off, I come off stage, he's plastered. <laughs> and he goes, hey, you dope. You're driving home as well. <laughs> I'd be like, come oh, on. I love it. And so, P- yeah, and Peter used to come to see me in Vicar Street when I was gigging there. He wasn't even gigging. Yeah. He'd just sit in, just to go, oh. But he said, because he did this podcast and he was like, Jason is the person I have to thank, like, big time for getting into it. Yeah, but I always give out to him for that. Why? Because he, he was always going to be doing something like that. He's brilliant. He's very intelligent, very funny. Yeah. He's a great comic actor. Yeah. So like, I go, I didn't do anything. And he goes, yeah, I just followed you around. I was going, yeah, but you're me, mate. And then I started I started doing gigs, and if PJ wasn't there, I'd be freaked out. We're like yeah. an old married couple. <laughs> I'd be going, oh, my God, you'll be lucky, Charm. I'm not going to do a good gig. I'm not going to be able to do this. But I... I got my confidence, because in comedy you need confidence. Yeah. And a lot of comics as well, you know, they are, they are very confident in their different ways. So I had, I got my confidence from my, the social house I brought up in, working in the brain rooms, collecting glasses when I was about 12 or 13. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Working around adults, constantly doing that. Yeah. Constantly having to, you know, uh, you know, be confident yeah. all the time. And then, but I watched, uh, my dad, basically I was in comedy college in my school, in my, sorry, in my, in my house. Yeah, yeah. Because my dad watched all the comedies. I he didn't really, even know. Yeah. So I watched all the Dave Allens and the Billy Connollys and everybody. I didn't even know, but I was watching. How you were they, soaking it in. How they did it. Jason, the moment, if you didn't laugh, you'd cry. Okay. Okay, there's kind of two of these things. So the, this is kind of, I always, I'm putting this in my head as when I shouldn't be laughing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that yeah, yeah that's thing. what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, brilliant. See, that's where I would have put my hand up in school. I was just asked loads of questions in school and never really got anywhere. <laughs> Teacher be gone, I just told you that's what it says. Oh, okay, sorry. Sorry. So, uh, mass now was a big one, right? Yes. Okay, and yeah. I was an altar boy. Right. Uh, now, as a head altar boy, of course. There's right. the conference again. I went straight into the top with the, with the cross, not the candles, the cross. I was, uh, and I actually led the priest. I was the one up the front. I, I controlled the mass. <laughs> right? And so, so when I moved, they all moved. And even, I mean, I, and actually, and uh, I remember once uh, doing the, uh, doing mass on St. Patrick's Day. Right. And it was in Irish. Didn't even know. <laughs> and he, he just started off and he went, do you grieve? And I went, what's he doing? Because, you know, as all, as Irish people, yeah. we all learned Irish, but we, it was taught to us like backwards. Yeah, yeah. We can all write it and we could all read it, but none of us could speak, speak. it. Like, like, people are amazed when they pick up an Irish book and they can read it and they go, what's this say? I go, I don't know. <laughs> and, uh, anyway. And so anyway, look, the mass was a disaster because I, anyway, at the very end, I stood up with the cross and there was still 10 minutes to go. And the priest and I was trying to pack up quickly to get down to me. So he was doing all sorts of blessing very fast. But it was one funeral, right? Of course. Right, yeah. And uh, we were we love funerals because you know you got a bit of cash for that. So we we're always looking out to see if some old person had died to be like, yes, right. We we'll get like five or each. And so this was <laughs> we I remember this. We were so when when you're an altar boy or well there was only altar boys then, but there's altar girls now, which is brilliant, of course. fantastic. I wish yeah. there was altar girls there because we were all drinking wine. Would have been great. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we were sitting at the side because you always you do your altar boy stuff, set up everything. Put I put the the like a staff it was with a big crucifix and I put it into into this holder and then the other minion altar boys would then follow me and sit either side of me and I'd look at the priest and then he'd be like looking at me going okay well, let's do let's do mass so there was a coffin there right obviously up the front and we were just sitting away and then you know with the incense you know the, yeah, they yeah. swing that thing yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <This is crazy. laughs> 
<laughs> he was swinging it around the coffin, right? Oh, no, he was just swinging around the coffin. Was grand, right. And then he belted it off the side of the coffin by accident. And I just, it was one of those moments, <laughs> me and the two lads. And there's people crying just there. I mean, two feet away from us. And we're trying to... We're trying to look at each other, and the priest is fuming at us. He's looking, because he knows what he's done, because the shit, it's gone everywhere. You know, the stuff's come out of it, and he's trying to pick it up. And we couldn't go over to help him. Did he, he try and pick it up? No, we, yeah. He was crying, because it's, it's, it's burning. Yeah, yeah. And he's pulling it, and, but the belt of the coffin, it was, things weren't bad enough. He goes and belts the coffin with the incense, and we're like, trying to hold each other up. And it was that moment, which I think, I think the, my most enjoyable laughter is when you're not allowed to laugh. Yeah. That one. And then, and the other time where I absolutely <laughs> thought I would need an ambulance, so this is the other time, is when PJ and me brought a fart machine into the cinema. And we went in and PJ uh, was in the Savoy and there was no carpet, whatever. He flicked it under the chairs so it would be about eight rows away from us. And he had the controller. I swear to God. I swear to God, right? <laughs> Yeah. Now we're hang on, is it the noise or is it smell? No, the noise. The noise. No, it's the little controller. <laughs> so we're sitting there, and then when the movie goes quiet, all he hears, and me and Peach, we're just going this. And then, sorry, I've just remembered because I knew this would happen. Another one where we should not have laughed at all was when we, we me and Peach, when he used to come to Edinburgh, we would go, we'd find a play with loads of posh people in it. There, that's what you do if you're going to. And now Edinburgh, I shouldn't even be sitting here. I should be in Edinburgh this year. Right, it's awful. But if you go to Edinburgh ever, which hopefully next year, find uh, a posh people's play with loads of posh kids. It's going to be shit, right? <laughs> and it's going to be, because all their doctor, lawyers, mothers have sent them to Edinburgh to try and, you know, yeah. go and do a play. It'll be fine. They're like, oh my God, fantastic. Who'll pay for it? We'll pay for it. Go for it. We'll do the posters and everything for you. So we went to a play. We had no idea what it was. And it was about 40 people in there. Of course, all their parents and everything were in the right. look at Edinburgh. And we were sitting in and it was uh, a play and we just these two girls were on a beach and they were discovering their kind of, you know, lesbian uh, situation. And then, of course, me and PJ are at the back and we're going, oh, no. <laughs> and then they were talking to each other about, you know, being lesbian and right. being gay. But at the same time, while this was happening, to show they were on a beach, about 12 of the other cast were holding hands. And they're running backwards and forwards. Look at the waves. Yeah. But they weren't. They were going like this. And me and PJ. And the parents could see that me and PJ were like shaking behind. And then we just, when it, when it was over, the two of us ran. Cry, <laughs> shouting, laughing. Pegged it. Because I caught, you know, when you can't get your lungs going, your heart, yeah, you think yeah, yeah. the blood pressure is going to come out your nose. It's so. so true. It's the best kind of laughter. Mm. When your shoulders start going and you yeah. can't stop. Yeah. Okay. PJ, your no laughing matter moment in life. Uh, I th- Okay. So I think there's there's death and birth, right? So the birth of my children, right? Which was, I thought, oh my God, this will be grand. This will be great, you know? <laughs> but when I, was, when I actually seen it, it was like, oh my God, this is not funny at all. There's nothing about this is horrendous, right? <laughs> Jesus Christ. And so... You know, you, when your wife has given birth, and, and uh, you just you just think she's going to die. You know what I mean? It's just insane what yeah. what, the, what ladies have to do. Yeah, I'm going. How is she going to survive this? And then, and as a man, I mean, I remember I actually did Vicker Street the next night. Stop. Yeah, I'll never have done the stand up any better because I went in and told them what happened for like nearly half an hour. I just stand up <laughs> on birth, and then I and I didn't record it, nothing. And I was like, oh, that I went. I can't do that again. I won't remember it. Oh my god. So I was there, and um, 
you know, and, and I remember saying that, like, my, you know, my wife was like full of, you know, they were giving her the epidural and, but eventually that wears off and they yeah. have to push with just pure pain. But as a man, it's very hard as well. You oh, see, now we right. Because we don't get any medication at all and we have to stand there and just pretend everything's all right. And, you know, and, uh, you know, we had a lot of pressure, mental pressure right. on us. Oh, yeah. As we're holding our, our wives' hands. But my God, that was unbelievable. And then when the baby comes out, I mean, you know, to be honest, you just think that it, I didn't know, I didn't know a lot of stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. And I, I didn't really research it enough. We had no internet then. You know what I mean? Because yeah. my kid now, he's like 21. Yeah. And we had no internet. So I didn't really know exactly what was going to happen. And then I didn't know that when the baby comes out, there's no noise. Yeah, so yeah, I just yeah. thought, oh my God, he hasn't survived, <gasps> but he's fine. And then he just went like this, and they went, holy Jesus. <laughs> and then they cut the cord and I thought, okay, that's brilliant. And then he went, no, you have to, but my wife, she goes, you're not finished yet. I was going, oh my God, another baby, but it's the afterbirth. <laughs> yeah, they have to give yeah, birth yeah, to it. I, I, didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah. I thought that just came out with the, I didn't, cause everything, I just thought it all came out once. I know. Oh my God. So that was, no, that, that just matter. wasn't, no, none at all. And then when my dad died yeah. as well, which was the other one, which was, uh, I'd never known, I'd never seen death. So I, uh, and I've, I, you know, I've heard loads, I've had loads of friends with their dads and their moms and sisters, everything all died, but I'd never experienced it. Mm. And so when I was in the hospital with my dad, uh, yeah, that was pretty heavy because I was going, oh my God, is this what death is? This is, no, this, I know. this is not funny at all. There's nothing, there's, it's, it's quite a serious thing, but at the same time, a beautiful thing. So I, I, I did get to see, um, I always say this as well, that anybody who's, who has a, a parent or anybody, a sibling, anything who's dying or anything is, is definitely trying to be with them when they're dying. Cause a lot of people get afraid and want to go walk over there or go over there. But that's, you know, they, they want you, they'd want you to be there. So you were there? Yeah, I was holding his hand with my, with my aunties and my mom and my sisters were in the corridor. And so it was mad because he, it's, so he had a stroke and then two days later he was, he had died. You mm. know what I mean? Which is my dad, true and true. Like at his funeral, they were all going, jammy bastard. <laughs> he didn't end up in a wheelchair. He didn't have to come home. Out the thing. And I often say that as well. Anybody who has a, you know, parents that are stroke victims that are at home in the bed and everything like that that is horrendous mm. you know and they have told me they just wish their parents had passed away but at the same time i actually went i kind of wouldn't have minded my dad coming home because he still would have been alive yeah. so you do that i know so i absolutely get it when people go yeah but he's still he's still in there so yeah so i held his hand and then um the, his breathing got you know it gets it gets faster a real kind of scary thing and then it just stops mm. like that and then uh, you, you can watch the the, uh, the life just go out of them. Do you know what I mean? And I always said that to anybody who is, I mean, it, there's no need, there's no need to fear that in in that way because he didn't know he was dying. Like they always say, like a brilliant guy called Alan Watts, who's a great, uh, he's he's dead now. He's like whatever. He died nineteen seventy something, but he's a great fellow. He always says that you don't know when you're asleep, so you don't know when you're dead either. Yeah. So it's fine. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so uh, being dead is like being asleep forever. So, uh, so he was, he didn't, like, you couldn't see any fear in his face or anything like that because he was un- unconscious. Mm. But when he did go, you could definitely see whatever you want to believe in, energy, spirits, anything like that. But something definitely left his body, like an energy definitely left his body because yeah. his whole body sank down and he kind of shrunk, which was amazing yeah. to see. So I wasn't crying or anything. I was just holding his hand as if this was something that my dad always does. 
Do you know what yeah, I mean? I'm going, yeah. oh, and I was, and they, the nurses keep saying, keep talking to him, he can hear you, keep talking to him. They don't really know that. But he probably could, because with the shock going in and out of your body, you probably could hear people. Yeah, yeah. So I was holding him and then it just kind of went. But you could definitely feel like this. And what happens is with you as well, of course, your brain's going to get you ready for that situation. So it will feed you whatever you need yeah. as well. But yeah. you definitely seen the energy leave his body, which was amazing. But it was peaceful. Yeah. And then it just kind of goes and then he just stops. And that's what was really good because when he was in the coffin and when he got cremated and I was able to tell my mom and everybody, going, he's not in there. He's definitely, yeah. whatever my dad was or whatever left his body, it's, he's, it's a shell now. Yeah, yeah. So there's no need to worry it's about it. Yeah, holding the light. going into the ground, going to being cremated and it's just absolutely zero in there. Yeah. You know? So that was just before COVID? Yeah, that was two weeks before COVID. Even at the mass, the priest had, the first time we he ever heard it, he said, we won't be doing sign the peace. Uh, we kind of all love that because you know we don't always want to shake hands with everybody yeah, you know, yeah, it's, yeah. It's kind of you know the weirdo behind you waiting to shake <laughs> your hand and nobody ever says it properly anyway <laughs> everybody just goes psh, psh, psh. it's like, <laughs> so, it's like, it's like you're calling the cat yeah psh, psh. <laughs> what are you doing psh, psh. so we didn't have to do psh, psh. As you said, we'll be touching hands. I never know what to say when I go up to shake the people's hands. Who's like the family? Yeah. Like, what? I do you know the so best awkward. thing to say is just go. This is shit, isn't it? <laughs> What's he doing? Dead. Fucking shit. And they'll go. Yeah, it is shit. Well done there. Now. <laughs> All the rest of them. I'm so sorry. I do. I'd love to say. Yeah. When when they did come and say they're so sorry, I go. Did you, Did you do it? <laughs> oh my god, ma'am. He killed dad. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I knew it. I knew we'd find the feckin' the, the murder. So, but like, it was great because Irish people are brilliant at celebrating death. So yeah. afterwards in the pub, it was, it, you know, because it's all the family and the friends and the everything. There's, there was nobody crying there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, It was yeah. all, it's the last, it, it, it's, they always say that you should, should never stop talking about somebody when they're dead yeah. or they, because they die twice then. Mm. So you, so the, the laugh we had about me dad, like me dad, me uncle Tony, who's not my uncle, blah, 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 <laughs> uh, told me, uh, my dad when we were on holidays with my dad uh, they were going because when my mum and dad uh, used to go on holidays they never brought the kids because they go to Spain my mum my and dad my dad used to say you, you wouldn't enjoy it it's too hot <laughs> so they put us with like neighbours and aunties Stop. yeah we never went on holidays we went to like maybe the Isle of Man now and again and Bosnia we went to Bolton or Bosnia whatever you call it yeah anyway so there was my mum and dad in holidays with my uncle Tony and um my dad, they had a, a rake of drink. So they're in Spain, so I don't know what it was. Then they rented a car and whatever. And uh, they were somewhere drinking loads. And uh, my uncle Tony says, your dad stood up and says, jeez, I'll, I'll never make it home. I'm, I'm not to drink loads. I better get the car. That's what he says. I better get the car because I'm not going to physically make it home. Stop. Yeah, so the next day, he just said to me, uncle Tony, jeez, thank God I drove home. God knows where it would have ended up. My dad's just never had it in his head going, Dad, you could have driven the car off the edge. But my dad, for some reason, he was um, he was never a, a staggery drunk. Yeah. He was drinking since he was 15 in because he worked for Guinnesses. Yeah. They got it for free in there. They were like, my dad. So my dad had a minor heart attack at 55 and he was in the hospital. And he said to the doctor after three days, I, don't, I still don't feel great. And your man said, that's because you're sober, Paddy. <laughs> it's the first time you've been sober in your since you were 15. And he goes, oh, yeah. Just don't like this. I <laughs> do you know my dad used to do as well because he's had pacemakers and everything in hospitals. We used to come and visit him in the day, right? Where he, when he went to get stuff done, he was in Blackrock Clinic. He was in Blackrock Clinic because he was Guinnesses had covered his VHI and he had the same cover as Bono, right? <laughs> so he used to say, I got the same cover as Bono. God, how do you know what scheme Bono's on? 
Because I say he's on plan B A, plan A, plan. So anyway, go and visit me, Dad. And there he would be sitting in his full clothes at the side of the bed. And doctors and nurses think he was visiting somebody. And my dad go, I'm not sitting in my pajamas in the day. That's night time. And he came to his pajamas in the night. What a legend. I know. I like that. Yeah. Okay, Jason, the person you always laugh with. Okay, so, uh, well, first, <laughs> well, whenever I hook up with PJ, mm. right, I know because, I mean, this is, everybody's going, geez, two days, just get married. We probably <laughs> will end up because I'm, <laughs> I'm now separated, so is PJ. We thought, which we might as well. Two of us will sit there like old men. Do you know what I mean? As Peter said, look, I'll give you a tug now when I'm going to be grand. <laughs> you know what I mean? We get a club sandwich and a tug and then just watch a war movie. Stop! That's PJ's fault. But yeah, I'd be, the minute I sit with him, we'd, we'd be crying laughing because we remind each other. Like, we remind each other of things that happened in the past and things that's got me just going, oh my God. I can't stop laughing at that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah, that's all blokes want. You know what I mean? We don't need the talking and the bleeding, holding hands. Go I on. used to say that. It's mad the way girls love holding hands. I go, you'd be like, look, turn to your missus going, are you afraid you're going to get lost or something? Like, I'll hold your hand, Jesus. So, just loads and loads of stuff. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'd go... God, PJ, remember you used to tell me why your mum and dad didn't sleep together, like, you know, because they were old, whatever. But the main reason he goes, yeah, my dad shouts and shouts snores. And I went down to PJ's gaff. Because so PJ and me used to work in lighting events. And at the lunch break, we used to sometimes cycle over to Clontarf and just to have uh, beans and pizza. Sorry, peas and pizza. What? In his mum's house. Yeah, he used to make us be- peas and pizza. Because she taught the greenery because she was a nurse. <laughs> She's called Helen, but we call her the Lady Helene. <laughs> and she'd go, you'll have some peas and a pizza. Go on. We go, okay. So anyway, we went over. and th- So one of the nights, PJ went, when you hear, come on, I'll show you when my dad doesn't sleep together. We went upstairs. So this is what I'm saying. We always just laughing with everything. Yeah. We went upstairs and all they could hear up the stairs was, oh yeah, fuck it, fuck it, fuck it, fuck it. And I must say, because that's my dad, look. We went in, his dad was asleep and he snore curses. Yeah, that's what he did. It was so mad to see. He's lying down going, bastard, 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 bastard! I mean, PJ were like on our knees. It was fucking... Yeah. So, so they, didn't, they didn't sleep in the same room. Yeah, and PJ does... And you know, funny enough, um, one person I always... One of the comics in England who I always lo- love hooking up with is Lee Mack. Do you know Lee? Oh Jesus Christ! He's yeah. a lovely, lovely man. Yeah, and he like do you know like a lot of comics. A lot of time, you as you know, are sometimes they're on all the time. Yeah, and that's fucking exhausting. Exhausting, like telling yeah. jokes. Remember, but Lee is just—he's not that he's on all the time. He's just naturally funny. Yeah, so he's just always. Oh jeez, I'd be on my knees with him now, okay. crying, laughing. He's one of the first fellas I ever. And actually, I did gas with him, which was on Channel Four in 1997, which was the first time I was on telly. And one of his first jokes on gas was, uh, "Man goes in the bar, man goes in the bar." He goes, "What a man goes doing in a bar, <laughs> right?" So he's real silly like that. Yeah, yeah. So, and he was like, "So yeah, definitely." <laughs> he wouldn't that would PJ. Oh my god, I was saying PJ, we need to write this book. We need to get. But then PJ did a play yeah. about his family. Yeah, yeah. Which is, I was going, that's frost. You need. Four hour pleading. You need like a <laughs> Hamlet to sort out what you did. Okay, Jason, a time where you had the last laugh. Um. Okay. So I mean, <laughs> when when I say it's the, it's the last laugh, I suppose the last laugh is where I've kind of proved something, but it's come back on me anyway. Right. So I suppose like the the it's a bit of a cliche, but de- definitely one of the ones would be all it would be the teachers in my school. 
you know what I mean? Because it, so this, this I and I and as well as I kind of felt like being an adult now. Do you know what I mean? I felt and now I know I feel sorry for them because they paid hardly anything. And the school I was in, there was like there's something like fourteen hundred kids there, wow. and there was like thirty something kids in the class, and the teachers just didn't care because because yeah. nobody cared about them. I know, and your tether stuff. Yeah, it's it's a kind of a domino effect. Like if, if nobody cares about the teachers and the teachers don't care about da da da, da yeah. it always goes from the top down. Do you know what I mean? You know, like when you go to a company and you see somebody at the door or the receptionist or whoever, and if they're great cracking, they're brilliant, you know the boss yeah. is going to be great crack. So that's what happened to our school, I reckon. They were just all just exhausted. Right. And like, sir, so sometimes your biology teacher, next minute that's your Irish teacher, next minute that's your maths teacher. You go, what? Who? What? And they don't even, and one subject they don't know. Do you know yeah, what I mean? yeah, yeah. They just go, yeah. uh, open your biology books. But I had the kind of, you know, the attitude that I would always be this kind of, I was given this kind of, you'll be a worker bee, you know what I mean? You'll, you won't, because I used to sign people's copybooks, messing. And I used to sign the teachers. They'd come down, like, I'd, before I leave, I was a messer in school yeah, as well, yeah. but still not the class me- top messer. Yeah. But I'd still sign the teacher's book or something like that, messing. I go, that's for yourself. All right. That'll be worth money. And they'd be going, you'll be worth nothing, Baron. Nothing. They used to go like that to me all the time. I go, yeah, I will. I will. Wait and see. Massive. I'll be massive. <laughs> You know, I thought I was actually going to be a singer. That's what I thought. Did you? Oh, yeah. I can't sing. You can't? Oh, I was going to say. I thought I was going to be, yeah, I was fronting the band, though. Oh, right. <laughs> you know, jumping around going, yeah, come on, all of the people, you know, whatever. And everybody, and I'll be, and all the rest of the band going, oh my God, we wish we were him. You were in the band. <laughs> yeah, lads, you just be in the band. So, the te- like, so I was in metalwork once, and, um, uh, or engineering it was first second third year it was called metalwork and then engineering and I got to say that, that my teacher I did love him John mm. Hayes was his name he was he was a great teacher but one thing where I kind of had the last laugh which went right back at me was I was crap at engineering like I just couldn't do it and it, I couldn't saw anything straight it was just, just go like off not because I had like a wonky eye or nothing I just couldn't saw straight yeah. I couldn't make things you know yes couldn't yeah. make build things yeah. they always looked way smaller than everybody else's in the class <laughs> Like, I remember, my dad actually kept all the stuff that I made. I, I found it in a shed only about uh, three weeks ago, brought it all home. It was like like a coat hanger that, like, if you put a, a coat on it, it would just slide <laughs> off onto the ground. There was no kind of angle on it. So my poor teacher was like, and I remember him saying to me, I was, we were working on the forge one day, you know, like where you put the metal into the into a hot forge. Yeah, yeah. So I was too scared of stuff like that. Because what you have to do with that is you grab the metal and you put it in the forge and you, drrr, drrr, yeah. you take it out and you bang it. Except I was like, uh, uh. Right, and the teacher came over to me. I remember John Hay saying this to me, and this was a real like a last laugh for me, but not really. Yeah, he says, "Look, just put it in, open a thing, right? Don't look into it because like, you know what I mean. It's dangerous if you look too close into it, and then bang the thing, it'd be grand, right?" And he would, he did it real yeah, quick. Yeah, like he made the end of a screwdriver in front of me. Do you know what I mean? You flatten yeah, it down. Yeah. He was said, "Out, bang, ding, ding, ding." It went there, all right. <laughs> and he went, "If I can do it, you can do it." And I went, "No, I can't." How can I do what you do? This is a 15-year-old talking to a man. And he goes, no, you can't. I went, I can't. I can't, right? So he went off and I remember I opened the forge. I put the thing in really slowly, but I looked into it. So I singed off my eyebrows (laughs) and I singed off the front of my hair, right? (laughs) And then I took it out real quickly and I bang, bang, banged it. And it was as wide as like this table, which is at least three foot wide. The screwed. I don't know if there's a nut in the world. That takes a three-foot screwdriver. And then the teacher came down, and I stand there with the metal thing in my hand, like, and it was still, because I put it in the water to cool it down. The thing was probably actually, you know, about four inches wide, right? Because yeah. I didn't splat it out. And I stand there with my eyebrows no and my hair mo- smoldering. And I looked at him and I said, see, told you. And he goes, you're a feckin' idiot, burn. 
<laughs> so I definitely had the last laugh there. Oh my god! I had the last laugh with no eyebrows. No eyebrows. <laughs> oh, very good. Okay. Oh God, Jason. If laughter wasn't the best medicine, what would be? Well, I, I always have to go to sex straight away. <laughs> That's always good. That's always good for a laugh with a lot of people. Right. Um, it's amazing, isn't it? When sometimes you're making love, you just burst into laughing because it's just never flowy, is it? It's never flowy. There's a knicker or a sock or something hanging out of you. And an elbow. Yeah, and then or something, and <laughs> you, you never know. like. You know what? I watch you know you know the the riding program on RTE. Um, no normal people, people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I love that I was saying that we sad of going that shouldn't be called normal people nobody rides that much even when I was in school I was I never got that do you know what I mean <laughs> you might get an outside boob at a disco it's never that magical like for no but, but one thing was like because like, there is a scene in that there where she's trying to take off her bra or something he was going he's trying to help her that's kind of that was funny <laughs> So, so yeah, that can be quite, that can be quite hilarious. So I always say, and, you know, and I say that when you get older, you know, the, the taking the clothes off thing, like that kind of magical. <laughs> like, you know, when they flow to the ground yeah. and you start making love, I'm like, uh. but now I say like, you know, couples now, you know, it's amazing when you're in a marriage for a long time, the, the, the sexy clothes don't come flying off anymore. Your missus just takes one leg out of her pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> Only one leg. She goes, come on, hurry up. I'm wrecked. That's what most Irish women are always wrecked. Oh, I'm wrecked from that day. Come on. Like, you know, if you if you said that to your missus, if you said, I'm wrecked, come on, because a oh, lady, as you know, dead. you just love the emotions. They'd be like, well, I'm not in the mood now. You can forget it. What do you mean? You're only taking one leg out of your boxer shorts. <laughs> or you've just supposed to put your knob out the edge. <laughs> that thing's hanging out. But, so yeah, that's, that's the best medicine. Well, it is the best. Yeah, that and I mean, I do love exercise. You know what I mean? Yeah, tell me about that. Do, would you would you exercise how many times a week and what would you do? Oh, I'm not intense. Do you know what I mean? Okay. Um, every time I say that, it sounds like I was in a marquee. <laughs> like in a tent. Oh, Intense. I mean, I do that. See, my, my mind's very, you know, right. animated. Right. So like, if anybody says derelict, I always think, you know, derelict my balls. And then they're just, I think I'm, a, I'm 48. Anyway. No, it's just training. I mean, I st- I was a, I was a, a long distance runner uh, when I was a child. Right. Uh, training myself because the school didn't bleed. Oh my god! I remember Eamon Coughlin came to our school. Um, yeah. He just won that. Oh yeah. Uh, gold medal. Yeah. In the what was he? Was he three thousand meters? He might have been fourteen hundred. Don't know. Anyway, and I said to him, "I run because of you." But I hadn't. I just said that to him to make him feel good because <laughs> I was only in primary school. And then I went on to do 1,400 metre runs everywhere. I was running in Santry and Clotter Road. And so you were running. good. You were competitive. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but one thing happened to me. Because we had no coach, I arrived at a finals in Santry, which I'd, I'd qualified to. So it was all... all, all uh, uh, hello? All, all, all. all there. <laughs> what are God. Too many letters. It was an all-Ireland. And right. uh, I decided, for some reason, to run with no shoes on a Cork track. Because I thought, I'll do that. I'll sprint faster. Stop. Yeah. So because I've been running runners the whole time, my calves weren't used to that. You can actually run. They always say it's better to run barefoot. I don't know. There's some book that says it. Anyway, because that's what we used to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we used to like shit and bushes, but we have like toilets now. Do you know what I mean? But anyway, so uh, the running, 
I ran on the track and uh, there was o- the other cl- the other lads were from schools that had running clubs. Yeah. So you want to see them. They had spike shoes and oh, their yeah. gear. And so I ran and I legged it. It was, it was 1,500 metres. So I think it's three and a half laps. So I went in Sanctuary. All the kids, go, go, go. And I was winning. I was Stop. legging it. Yeah, legging it. Second lap, still winning. And then the third lap, I realised they were using me as a, as a pacer. As like a pacer in the front, you know the fella who yeah, has the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. I thought I was winning. They were like, "Oh shit!" So they what? Just, what started passing me out, like chung 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 chung. And no. then with half a lap to go, my calves turned to concrete because there's no runners, and I literally seized up and I just fell onto the ground. Oh, and I couldn't work. Jason. And the teacher had to come over and pick me up and carry me, <laughs> carry me across the bleeding scarlet. You know the middle green bit, the yeah. field through the javelin and everything. Going, what are you fucking to move? There's a javelin. And the teacher's gone, I've got a key, can't walk. That is mortifying. So, yeah, exercise then. I went on and did, um, I did, I then I went on to do comedy where I had a couple of cigarettes and drink and wasn't doing actually any exercise right. then, which was great crack. Yeah. And that was, that's when my dad was really like, you know, bonding with me. Right, yeah. He was going, come on yourself now. <laughs> now we're drinking a cigarette and a laugh for fuck's sake, going around bleeding, running everywhere. Because... Then I had to do an Irish dance and a live Irish dancing thing on ITV. Yeah. And uh, I had to go and learn how to Irish dance. And the teacher here in Ireland said, you're so unfit, I can't even teach you. <laughs> she goes, go off and run or something for two weeks. We'll try it again. <laughs> Couldn't even do one or two steps. Goes, going, you're that bad. She goes, wow. fuck. So <laughs> she goes, uh, so when he went off and that was it. And that was about, I don't know, um, I'm 48 now, 38. Probably was about 35, 34. And I started, then I went mental, just running everywhere. I loved it then. Do you do it to mind the head as well? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you find that helps? Yeah, yeah. Because I do this podcast called Mind Your Loaf. Yes. Which is uh, connected to a website called Turn To Me, which is where there's free counselling online for people. Yeah. So because, you know, and I look, I mean, you know, people always go, I'm manic depressive. You know, and a lot of times they're not. Do you know right, what I mean? Because okay. I love when they tell you how they are. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, I had a bad day. So you're not because you had a bad day. You yeah. know, it's a clinical thing. Yes. Yeah. So I'm not like that. Right. But as a comic, and as you know, all the stuff you do, is, well, I don't know how you do everything you, you do, but it's like, it's it's mental fatigue, I call it. Mm. Your brain gets wrecked. Yeah. Because you're doing the podcast, your radio, your characters are this and you're yeah. that, and you're going here, and I'm, I'm doing the same, like I'm doing everything, and your brain just goes, oh, here, I'm knackered. Yeah. And I can't take this anymore. So what I find is, and I actually talked to a neuroscientist. Yeah, I know I said that word. Yeah, go on. And uh, before that, I would have went, what? <laughs> uh, what? Because I would have went, neuro, neuro, so he's neuro, neuro, brain, is he neuro, brain? Oh, is he? <laughs> Did you do a science about the cure, the band, because he's a neuro head? Or no, that wouldn't have been the cure. They were cure heads. Who'd be neuro? That'd be like human league. Anyway, neuroscience. A guy down in Trinity here, actually. Yeah. Brilliant fella. Yeah. And uh, he was just telling me, you know, that with your brain, that if you exercise and meditate, you see, a lot of, there's a lot of things with, with mental health I've often found, because I've done loads of podcasts now, it's all about cop on. It's a gas, like, you know, it's like you, people tell you and you go, I already knew that. I know. So he said, all the, all the study for neuroscience, which is a really heavy thing about how your brain works and like, you know, the subconscious and everything, he goes, it is actually all about cop on. If you want to be happy, is, you know, make sure your diet is good, no processed food, um, uh, don't be drinking your head off, and meditate or exercise because that's basically what your body likes. Yeah. So it starts to make this, uh, I can't remember the letters, it's like one of these DDFMPHO, uh, but that's basically the fertilizer for your brain. That gets, that gets made 
when you're running or walking or meditating. Endorphins. It's kind of, it's not the endorphins. Okay, it's different. Because I, you know, I know a lot about neuroscience. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to stop you there. No, it's no, not. It's not endorphins. actually that, but it's kind of, you're kind of right. Actually, because you know what? That's really funny. That's what I said to him. I went to endorphins. He went, well, no, you're on the right track. <laughs> Which means no. Yeah. So. That's a fertilizer for your brain and that creates like loads of brain cells and everything and that's what makes you happy. And what makes you sad is sitting around doing nothing yeah. and eating shit and, uh, and and constantly going, oh, I feel crap. Yeah. And then that basically is uh, cortisone. That's, and more of that gets built, the more sad and the more moaning you do. I know. So keep moaning and eating your crisps and you're going, I can't take anymore. <laughs> and the next day, I had a bottle of wine. I feel shy today, yeah. and then you do it again. I mean, I'm getting worse. And then your body's going. Your body's going. You're a tick. Yeah. Your body's like, hello. Go for a walk or something. Go. Jesus Christ! If I gave me chasing, what are you doing? Did he say anything about phones and social media? No, but I did talk to a cyber psychologist. Oh, tell me more. And uh, she said, <laughs> actually, yeah, she turned my whole head because I have a 13 year old and a 21 year old. Yeah. Well, the 13 year old's a gamer. So <laughs> Fortnite, get out of the room. I'm in the middle. Of, get out. So that's my that's my beautiful child that way, and he is gorgeous though. He's a very very kind child. But she said, the "Cyber psych like, was Doctor Nicola Hamilton Fox." Yes, she said that with because I was going, "What's the crack with the phones and everything? Yeah. And what are we all doing? On the internet must be awful for you." And she goes, "Well, yes, it is, but no, it isn't." So for kids, it's uh, yes, it's bad for them and for us and everything. And um, but make sure that they do they do they get their exercise in their schoolwork done. Then just let them do as much as they want online because that's where they live now. Yeah. And she says, "But if you." take them off social media and off they think that's where all their mates are they'll get even more depressed yeah. because they won't know what's going on with Isolated. all their mates and then they said and anything if you if you spotted your kids not feeling great or anything like that and same with us uh, just block just block the people just do do the blocking everywhere you know what yeah. I mean that Twitter thing which Ricky Gervais calls Twitter the, the new toilet wall which is yes. exactly what it is yeah. Twitter, I always find Twitter is a bit like um, you know when you post something up on Twitter it's a bit like in Superman 1 when he realised he had the super powers and when he, he just stood there and he could hear everybody talking <laughs> That's what Twitter is. Yeah. You post up something, the next minute yeah. you can hear everybody. <laughs> Jesus. I don't want to hear everybody. So with children, uh, and they always say as well, if there's, a, if, there's, if there's a child and their friend are getting bullied, it's best for that child to tell their parents. Because a lot of time that child won't tell their parents. Because mm. your child tells you, like, basically doesn't want to talk to you. Yeah. You're dope. Yeah. And you put yourself in that situation. Imagine me, I couldn't imagine me walking into my dad talking about sex and everything because you learn all that outside <laughs> and like bullying and all. We had to start all that out ourselves yeah. but with our mates. Yeah. But yeah, uh, so she then said a lot of screen time, it's not that bad for them. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Okay. It's exactly the same as us sitting out on the wall in the 80s and the 90s with yeah. your mates for just, hours. Yeah, just a different way of doing it. It's just a different way of doing it but all you got to do is just keep a little bit of an eye on it and another really cool way of doing it is join in with them. So like, Sit down and uh, get yourself a profile in one of their games and jump into into the game. Do they want that though? No. <laughs> we'll just do it for one day so they'll know. But then they, she did say another brilliant thing that if you, you know, because a lot of parents are on their Facebook pages with their kids, thought yeah. this was great. The kids just put up their feed and the parents only check the feed. They don't check the messages yeah, really. So yeah. that's where they do all their. The DMs. The DMs. You know what I mean? <laughs> but yes, no, it's, it's, and it's a bit like listening to albums in our room. There's nothing we can do. It's, it's, it's the way it pushes forward. You know what I mean? Yeah. But with the mental health thing, yeah, you, it's just, you've got to just keep an eye on, on your kids. You'll know as a parent, you know what I mean? Yeah, sense. And I, and my, ch- my child, who's 13, I says, because I'm always wrecking his head. I go, Dan, how do you know if someone just doesn't come on to Fortnite there? And they're a stranger. He goes, do you mean a paedophile dad? 
I went, no, yeah, Dad, don't worry. I know what a paedophile is. And we're in a big gang there. And if anybody comes in and we don't recognize them, we make sure they don't stay in there. Oh, well then. He goes, well, I know all about that. He's you know, right my, to it. Yeah, he's a, yeah so they are. Actually, that's what, what Nicholas said. They are very, very clever. Okay. They know what's going on. Are you ready for your quick fire round? Oh, my God, I thought we did it. No. Is that not what that all was? <laughs> <laughs> okay. The actor you always laugh at. Okay. Uh, well, Richard Pryor. Okay. I laugh at him a lot uh, because, you know, those movies he did with Gene Wilder, See No Evil, Hear No Evil. Yeah. And he just, the fa- even in Superman, which wasn't even particularly, like, it's not a funny movie, but his parts in it are really funny. And, uh, and any, like, any other stuff, yeah, Richard Pryor, definitely, yeah. Actress? Uh, oh, Melissa McCarthy. Yeah. Get out of the kitchen. <laughs> One of my favourite movies is he's. With her and uh, um, uh, Sandra Bullock. Yeah. That, I've watched that endless times. My favourite bit is where she's standing in the office. She's given out to her boss, who is your man from Back to the Future. He's, uh, yeah, what he's, um, what's your man from Back to the Future? Who's the bully? Uh, he was always the bully and everything. I think it's Yeah, anyway, people are screaming at me now. Yeah. Yeah, Egypt. yeah. Anyway, he's the, he's the exhausted boss. In her detective, you know, because she's a detective, yeah. and she walks in. She's like, "Going, she doesn't want Sandra Bullock working on the case." And she's going, "Has anybody seen the boss's balls? Has anybody seen the boss's balls?" Like she opens the office and shouts into the office, "Anybody seen his balls?" And he's just sitting there with his hand in his head, going. And she's going, "Are you not going to sack her?" And he's going, "No, she does this to me all the time." And then I don't know if it was improv or because it might have been on the day, but she just finds some tic tacs on the on the table, yeah. and then she goes, "I found them." They're in here. Here they are. And she's rattling them. I found his fucking balls, you fuck. And the swearing in there. It's, so she is excellent. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And you. What? <laughs> what? Your character acting is fantastic. <laughs> no, you are. You're very funny. So you oh, go. thanks, Jason. Yeah. Okay, the comedian you always laugh at. Oh, God, you see, now this is quite... This is, because this is mad because with comedy and because I'm doing it for so many years, there's so many different styles of comedy. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? So one of my favourite, you know, storytellers like, is Dylan Moran. Do you know what I mean? He's mm-hmm. a genius like yeah. that. And Tommy Tiernan. So the two of them together, who actually grew up in the same bleeding town, I think they're in the same class. Did they? Yeah. So, so, and Hector was in there with them as well. What? I know. It's like, what? Because it's really weird because, you know, Tommy and Hector have a bit of a twang off them, but Dylan talks like this all the time. <laughs> Dylan, I was, you know. But that's because his mum and dad, especially his dad, he wants to see his dad, his dad is Dylan. Yeah, Amazing. Yeah. So anyway, those two, Lee Mac, though, it's like puke laughing. Like, I'm going to stop it. I can't handle him. Um, and, you know, uh, you know, and and I like the evilness of Frankie Boyle and Jimmy yeah. when, they're, when they're in their full whack of madness. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it, it, there isn't one. There's so many. Like yeah. Maria Bamford is brilliant, you know. Sarah Milligan. I don't oh, know her. Sarah Milligan, yeah. She's like the Newcastle stand-up comic. You would know her. Okay. She's, she's always talking like Oh, that. I do. I think, yeah. She's like, and she says mad shit. One of the first things I've ever seen, she goes, she was in Australia. She goes, I got divorced and I haven't been with a man for a while. Uh, do you reckon your fanny closes up when you don't use it enough? So... And she's real sweet and she's very well dressed and nobody can believe what comes out of her mouth. <laughs> but she's, yeah, she's married to uh, Rob uh, Delaney. Um, he's like a one-liner. He's brilliant. He's brilliant as well. But I can't. It goes on. Okay, you have a list. It, it's just, it's very hard to pick one, but there is no one best one. And like Bill Burr I've been watching recently yeah. as well, you know, he's brilliant. And finally, Jason, your best or worst joke? Oh my God. Uh, well, 
what best and worst see they kind of go hand in hand don't it's they kind of the same thing um well it was a child in school and the teacher said uh can you put the word fascinate into a sentence and the child said uh yeah my coat has nine buttons but i can only fascinate <laughs> so did my mom tell that joke on the podcast i think my mom told that joke on the podcast oh did you i had my mom on and she told that joke well i can tell the other when i tell the other one <laughs> yeah. Cause this other no, it's one. fine. It's just gas that you have the same joke as my mom. Well, I'm probably the same age as her. <laughs> so, I was trying to be nice. Yeah, I was trying to take a joke. Because joke jokes we never have. <laughs> but there's, can I tell two more? Yeah. And then you can edit whichever one you want. <laughs> one of them, I was going for a part in the movie with, yeah, Colin Farrell was in. Uh, it was the Cleopatra one. Um, the, uh, she was playing. No, hang on. What was it called? Oh, Alexander. Yes. Oh, yeah. Angela Oliver, Jolie. Oliver Stone was one of the worst movies. Yeah, yeah. And then and because I mean Colin just wanted loads of Irish actors in it. Yeah. He said to Oliver Stone. It was Oliver Stone, yeah. He says I want loads of Irish actors in it because they're brilliant, which they are. You know what I mean? Because yeah. they're all over Game of Thrones. Yeah. So it would be great to use their, <laughs> their own accents <laughs> in Game of Thrones. You know what I mean? Well Liam does it now and again. Yeah. yeah. I don't know where you're going there, you're gonna see you later. What? Liam, what? Ah uh, nothing. I mean, I Winter mean, is what? coming. What are you doing? Winter is what? I mean <laughs> we love Liam. Fucking come on, Liam! It's great. <laughs> I love Liam the most in the world because I did a corporate gig which was shit, and he was in the front clapping, laughing, and he was pointing <laughs> at everybody, going, "They're only bastards." <laughs> I was going, "Thanks, Liam." Anyway, the joke was I, I went for the audition, and first of all, I walked in, and a woman goes, "Oh, oh, oh!" I went, "Well, you're quite young." But yeah, because this is kind of for late 40. Doesn't matter. Anyway. Oh, your hair's red. Okay. It's kind of supposed to be long black. Okay. Then she goes, can you ride a horse? I was going, uh, no. She goes, oh, because you're, does, okay. Doesn't matter. Anyway, so I couldn't, I don't know how I got there. And then she said, can you tell a joke to Oliver, right? Down, the, I'm getting people to tell a joke down the lens. And I went, oh, yeah, okay. So I said, um, there was a kid in school and he was told to put the word contagious into a sentence. And he said, Every time me dad cuts the grass, me ma says it takes the cunt ages. <laughs> and she stared at me. Like the audition couldn't have gone any worse. And she went, maybe I won't show that to Oliver. And I went, she went, thank you. And I thought that was a great joke. And it's going, but that's contagious. That's an amazing joke. But then this is probably my favourite one. <laughs> Which is, uh, this is great, we have to go, for God's sake. This is my favourite <laughs> one. And it was, um, you might know this one, this is a cracker window. It's like, there's this doctor and he's like, he's hammered, right? He's an alcoholic. And then this old man rings him up to find out the diagnosis of his wife because he'd done some tests on her. Hmm. And the doctor goes, hello, yes, hello, hello. He goes, yes, I'm just wondering, um, do you have, to, my wife was in with you and you did a few tests, can you tell me what's wrong? And then he goes, well, oh yeah, okay. And he shuffles loads of paper, he goes, well, okay, so, okay, she either has AIDS or Alzheimer's. And, and he goes, oh, okay, well, which one does she have? He goes, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, hang on, the paper, I'm not sure. He goes, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what. Send her to the shop. And if she comes home, don't fuck her. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God, Jason. Yeah, well, that's not my job. I didn't write it. Was that a best one or a worst one? That's a, that's a dangerous one. <laughs> but, he's, but he's dead, right? Because there's a lot, of, a lot of info there. That joke just keeps giving. Jason Byrne, thank you so much for sharing the laughs of your life. Oh, my God. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks a million. It was... I didn't think it'd be so short. I thought I had more laughs. <laughs> oh, thank you! <laughs> thank you for listening to The Laughs of Your Life with Jason Byrne. I hope you enjoyed it. 
Lots of other great episodes to come this season. So don't forget to like, subscribe, rate, review, and all those other things. This podcast is brought to you by Collaborative Studios. Collaborative Studios.